0: hey pals, wow, we are going to address a topic that we've been thinking about for a while, but we didn't really have an easy answer. And that is, we are dedicating this episode to pastors and Christian college professors and um, really addressing the question whether we think that they have a moral obligation to leave their their jobs. We realize that's a very... uh, scary concept and it was very scary for us having uh, to leave church related uh, university life and a lot of that world and uh, generally ghosting church there are implications to it there are ramifications and they're not always pleasant so what do we think other people should do we're not telling you what to do you do your thing friends But we've got a lot of friends that have um, stuck with us even though they're a little bit more uh, on the down low in terms of uh, admitting that they're in in conversation. We think that's perfectly acceptable. We need to be able to provide that space. But a lot of folks have been uh, reaching out to us in uh, various forms, uh, emails and and voicemails that uh, we may or may not share down the line. But in those Conversations, we realize that uh, there are folks who are struggling, but they have, I don't know, to to use a a couple metaphors, painted themselves into a corner. They have sunk costs into their training and into their careers. And uh, having looked at our own career, there are some ways in which getting out of the game is uh, financially uh, detrimental uh, to folks, uh, even. As it has been freeing for us. That's the topic. We're so glad you're with us. Let's go. All right, Stacy, we're here in Portland. We had a we had a a nice a nice, uh, nice Halloween
1: <laughs> it was really rainy it was
0: rainy though, and so we didn 't get too many kids coming by. gave some nice handfuls to the intrepid and wet uh, Halloween costumed kids in the neighborhood. That was fun um, but you know I mentioned this because we really feel at home in portland there's you know some adjustments and so forth that we've had to make, but it's it 's a, a vibe that we appreciate um Culturally, a lot of things that, that fit with us. And so we're, we're feeling freer than we've ever felt. Uh, able to speak in ways that are more authentic and genuine. We're able to look at our translation work and the long in the works um, Bible study um, that we're, that we're going to be changing uh, to Ghost Church for Jesus' sake. We'll talk more about that in the future. Uh, formerly entitled Protect Your Noggin with Jesus. Uh, But uh, so those have been great things. And I have to say, I don't know about you, uh, but for me, it has been night and day difference in terms of my own emotional well-being. Lots of things to to struggle with. Moments of anxiety related to finances and getting folks places, you know, and the vehicles that we've got. My motorcycle, not as helpful in the rain when there are short days. You know, it's dark when I leave and dark when I come back. Slippery out there. So that's a that's a different thing. So we've been kind of, uh, you know, carpooling and stuff.
1: Yeah, so I, I really appreciate the rain. I appreciate um, it's really nice to come home to our cozy home. like the yeah. we got the little fireplace that we can yeah. sometimes maybe use when there's no fire bands, but, um, but it's just nice and cozy. And um, I love the fact that we live really close to some very – beautiful greenery areas to go camping and explore. Um, You know, if you just need that hike to get out of the city kind of thing.
0: And music and food and art and Mm -hmm. gatherings that are low cost or free, just wonderful things that that go on. But also, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is for me, I carried a great weight of um, cognitive dissonance and uh, a sense of Betraying myself to some extent mm-hmm. within within uh, a, a church related world that I, I found increasingly difficult not only to exist in but to witness mm-hmm. as I saw as as we've said many times on the show telling people things that are really increasingly impossible to hold with modern science and history and and, and all that stuff and uh, kind of cramming kids brains into that or more importantly cramming ideologies into kids brains in the education process and even tolerating that um, was part of what we saw as problematic for abusive behaviors in the culture generally, right? Mm -hmm. Not that people wanted it. So I mean for me being able to get out just allows me to breathe you weren't as deep in it how have have you fared emotionally as you've you know ghosted church
1: yeah so well for me change is really hard um you know i mean and there was also you know i mean i think all of it too sort of is is a process i mean (laughs) first i'm like you know there were times i'm like oh like i can't believe that like I don't know, sometimes it feels like, well, I go to hell, <laughs> you know. Those, that those fear of, is a lingering yeah, for on occasion. Know, the, the, the fear-ish kind of thing. Um, at, you know, that was is, at first as I'm processing things. Um, I would say that being able to just freely believe exactly what I think is true. Yeah. It has been very freeing rather than like trying to like hold... Um, something like a, a network together or a whole system together that just didn't seem like every, all the things didn't line up.
0: Yeah, the paradigm was increasingly difficult to to keep it's together.
1: freeing for me to basically like just sort of look and examine my own life and say, okay, with these beliefs, like how, like, do I feel peace? Do I feel happiness? Do I feel like right, you know, like Mm -hmm. comfortable? Like, I don't know. Like, does this feel like it's, it's the right thing? And, and pieces of it didn't. And so like trying to like.
0: Pieces of what didn't?
1: Well, pieces of particular, like, even particular Christian beliefs.
0: Yeah. yeah. I I was, I was trying to figure out if you were saying the new way of seeing the world. No, you're saying the old thing wasn't holding together. Right. But how does it feel then, then just releasing it?
1: I mean, it feels, it feels really good. Um, but it does feel like I am then free to explore the truth of anything. And so like, I, I do think that there are still some helpful things that I would take from my Christian background that, um, you know, that I, as i even look at the data jing say or whatever i'm like mm. okay this there's like there is some decent like wisdom to some of jesus's teachings <laughs> and things like that right mm. um i would say though that uh there is a little bit of you know like scariness of being in uncharted territory yes you know yeah. so i would have to and i would say that me as you know for my enneagram i'm like self-preservation is a pretty big thing or you know like that's the number 1 of the mm side things or whatever for me and so you know that's like with that that's kind of like you know wanting to sort of have my my world kind of be all set up in a way that I do feel yes you know a little safer and (laughs) and secure or you know and and how it is and so um you know being kind of in this uncharted territory is is really difficult but yet You know, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to regret later, um, just not having the courage to, you know, branch out into something that is completely unknown and can be scary. And I think that the whole piece of it is, is like, you know, just when you're on um, the quest for truth in general, like I can go back to any belief that I need to, that that I deem to be true. Right. I don't ever have to like just say, oh, I'm not going to do, you know, I'm not going to do this or whatever. But um, there are some, you know, there are some things that I do miss about, um, you know, like sometimes the coziness of like Wednesday night soups at church. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of fun sometimes.
0: I, I miss um, I miss the immediate connection to multiple families and people mm-hmm. in our lives. So mm-hmm. if we had come to Portland, jumped right into a church setting, we'd have friends, maybe some more opportunities, maybe work opportunities. I mean when uh, Travels with Charlie was written um by Steinbeck, he didn't go to church a lot, but when he was traveling around the country, he would go to churches because that's where he could meet people and get to know them pretty quickly. People yeah. would come up and talk. And so finding those things is something we haven't done enough of. We've not had mm-hmm. the emotional energy, but, it you know, we're, we're getting into it. You know, secret skate night.
1: Yeah. The, One the of, Monday so night. Uh, yeah, you know, some uh, of those things. Yeah, there's other ways to... Open mic. Yeah, find like-minded folks. Um, I would say that the you know, the obligation stuff, it's, it's very nice to be free of that. Oh, I, f-
0: I mean, we don't have you know? a lot of extra time when we're doing all our work. And so like losing a Sunday morning, uh, was always hard. And now we don't have that extra piece. You know, you got to work five days a week and then you got to go to Sunday for your job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's the, the, the piece of that, that, um, I didn't really often feel, um, very fulfilled at the actual service itself. I don't right. know. I mean, that was but just the community.
0: I mean, I like, I mean, yeah. hope LA. I miss those cats. That was fun. That was great. And I, I loved it, all yeah. of that.
1: And I would also say, yeah, there are times that definitely messages could, you know, definitely inspire me. I'm not saying that, you know, none of it rang true, but there just seemed so much of it that is like, Just out of obligation. Right. Um,
0: Not something you would choose for your own well being. It's just something you think you've got to do. Right. For some kind of um, deity's um, approval. Well, in your your community,
1: I mean, your work you had to attend a church that was part of your job. And yeah. I guess that's the, the, the freedom of just being free of that. And so I guess, I guess, you know, it's been hard for me to kind of answer this because I still think I'm in shock. Um, yeah, it's been so much of my life that I'm still just like digesting everything. I'm still, you know, kind of like figuring everything out, but I just know that the freedom of being able to just um, like hold to like my own convictions and know like, um, and just to be real, uh, is extremely fraying Yet there is that scariness, like I said, and it's that's undeniable that yeah. um, you know, it does feel like um, you know, we just walked away from probably the largest safety net yeah. that we ever oh, had. Oh yeah.
0: I mean, if you stay in that, if we would have stayed in that, we could go anywhere, and at least there would be uh, youth work possibilities, educational possibilities, parochial school possibilities. I could have just jumped right into it, even if I didn't make as much money. mm mm-hmm. If I just changed jobs in
1: cities mm-hmm. now. Oh, and then even you know, just the networks. Think of like yeah. people that would have rentals that would be available that, you you know, they would maybe a decent deal on or, you know, all different sorts of the goal. It's like many layers of, yeah. you know, the,
0: the thing though is, uh, you know, I think our, our shows changed a little bit when we started out, we were primarily, you know, talking about outfoxing religious wolves, right? Like in a certain sense, this was, Hey, let's talk about some bad behaviors in toxic forms of religion, mm-hmm. authoritarian forms of religion, and, you know, and cults, what we would call cults. Um, here's what I've got on the website now. I think it, I'm still tinkering with the language, but I think it helps um, folks understand where we're coming from. I think now what we're doing is, uh, is this, uh, quote, an expedition through the ruins of religious dogmas and political ideologies and towards the goal of finding spiritual, financial, and um, and toward the goal of finding spiritual, financial, and mental emancipation. Um, I don't know if that's the easiest way to say it, but that's, that's the thesis. That is, um, we realized at some point that we were so entangled in things that were not helpful for us, even when we put the best construction on it. Like when we were talking about sexy, or when I was talking about sexy, we'll get to your view on it. But I'm trying to work from within the system, using the tools of the system, the language of the system to to enhance the system, to make it better, and ultimately came to realize that we were so entangled in this stuff that was, you know, we just need to extract ourselves ourselves altogether. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so in many ways, I think kind of the role that I see us playing in the years to come is more of like um, a death doula for worldviews, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because that's what I'm saying. Like when you described your... Your emotional response to being set adrift mm-hmm. or cutting yourself adrift, I mean, this is what keeps people in. You know, there's something very helpful mm-hmm. when you're dealing with the, the trauma of a lost death in the family. If you can just say, well, you know, I've got this other network that's going to just kind of carry me. That's helpful. It's mm-hmm. a nice thing. Um, and in many ways, those folks did. And they so we do. thank, thank, thank them for it. But like now as we're kind of out on our own, we're like, we're kind of now on our own mm-hmm. in many ways. Uh, so friends, uh, for those of you who have uh, supported us, thank you very much. Uh, not a bad time to do it. We have shifted over to anchor, which has been kind of nice. We're seeing how that works. It's a free service and it seems to work really well. Uh, we, we know other people have used anchor, never thought to, to go to it. Cause I figured, well, the one I was using was more expensive. So it must be f- you know, <laughs> better. better. And, and I'm sure there's some aspects of it. Um, but, if you go to Anchor, if you uh, kind of track us down now, there is a way for you to support the show through Anchor, which is a you know entity within Spotify. We can also use more of their music; so that'll that'll be fun. Uh, but you can do that, uh, and we'll maybe get some ads on down the line. We'll see how that goes. But the 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 thing there is that in 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 this process, we also have have law supporters and for good reason, yeah. you know, like we were doing one thing. We were trying to kind of clear up some of the problems within religion from within the religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're saying, no, we're kind of like at when a point we realized, where we needed to ghost church.
1: When we realized it, that wasn't working and, and there's just too much harm. Like guess that was the part of it. Like you know, for me, the um, huge piece was just how much harm had been done to our kids
0: Yeah. And um. to people that we consider kind of our kids that are not mm-hmm. our biological kids, you know, correct uh, those traumas. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so, uh, so that's what we're after. Today we're talking about this, though, in, in terms of now what, what does this mean for other people? Because we have listeners that are clergy. We have listeners that are Christian college professors. They're in church-related mm-hmm. education. They are church workers. They are ministry workers. They are part of a missions organization. Sometimes it's, you know, sharing a specific doctrinal point. But sometimes it's just, you know, feeding people in the name of Jesus, which is pretty groovy. What should these folks do? And again, we're not saying that you should just listen to us, but we're just giving you our advice because it's, I think, kind of an interesting question because we realize it's difficult. And I think the answer is it depends. And I also want to list off some contexts in which we think, I'll just give you a little bit of a preview. There are some contexts in which you should not quit that job, or at least you don't have to quit the job. That is, you're not morally obligated to quit the job. It might be good for your mental health, despite all of the drawbacks. It might be good for your soul. It might be good for your spiritual well-being. But um, but there are some contexts in which you should stick around. And all of this is, I think, predicated on one fact, which is we remain dedicated to the original core teachings of Jesus. Jesus um, may have been more of an apocalyptic um you know, kind of eccentric leader than, than I'm thinking that he Mm -hmm. was. I don't think that. Um, Although I think it's, there's possibility there. I think generally speaking, Jesus was a nonviolent anarchist that uh, sought a way to subvert Rome through the spirit of Torah, through the spirit of the the Jewish healing of the world message through uh, returning to justice and mercy and forgiveness and for reconciliation and for radical transformation. So so there's nothing inherently problematic in our view right. of saying, "Hey, I'm I'm coming to, as a disciple of Jesus and therefore a spiritual practitioner or church, you know, worker within that world." The problem is these institutional structures that embrace and and really uh, embody uh, patriarchy, mm-hmm. authoritarianism, mm-hmm. hierarchy, um, anti-intellectualism, and really a support for um, injustice yeah. in in our in the economic system. So, like those are problems. But that doesn't mean that everybody that calls himself a Christian or a pastor is in that. In fact, that's that's not true at all. You got Martin Luther King Jr. for goodness sake, mm-hmm. who's a theologian and a pastor. Um, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite. Kind of theological voices has always been uh, Cornell West. He's just a blast, and Cornell West, when he brings the teachings of Jesus onto CNN or something, it's flipping great. I love it. You know, so there are people and and contexts in which you should definitely stick around. I want to hit those, but before we do, let me tell you some of the reasons why I think there might be a reason why you should get out of the game. Um, just in principle, and, uh, or at least context in which that would be the case. I want to turn back to something maybe I've mentioned on the show, but this is um, Slavoj Žižek, the, um, the crazy um, philosopher, neo-Marxist philosopher, who's a lot of fun uh, when he's dealing with ideology, something we care about. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think the difference between Žižek and, and us is that Žižek, and, and maybe he's right, but I don't want him to be right, Zizek seems to think that you can't live without ideology. Everybody needs an ideology. And if we think of ideologies as these um, unjustified systems of belief that sometimes cause us to act against our best, best right. interest, um, that's certainly something that, um, that we resonate with him on. But, you know, um, the, the idea that maybe you have to have one um, and, and maybe there's a little bit too much... Um, in his thought, that would allow totalitarianism and so forth. You know, like there's mm-hmm. that. But um, he said something I think that was very interesting related to the film Full Metal Jacket. In Full Metal Jacket, there is a, you know a lot of these uh, little vignettes where you have vulgarity and boot camp. So these kids are going to Vietnam. They're being taught to follow orders and to not be rebellious. They're being taught to risk their lives, to die, to kill, things that people normally don't want to do, and they're being brought into an ideology that is taking away their agency. I mean, that's part of the military. You, you don't have a lot of choice. And if you did, it doesn't work that well to have people, you know, making ethical decisions on the fly every moment, you know. You've got to kind of follow, follow orders. So he says that the, the sergeant, uh, the drill sergeant, When he asks or he encourages the cadets to shout and chant vulgar things, Uh that this makes them feel that they're free. Mm. It makes them feel that they're edgy and risky and that they're not being controlled. And that sense of freedom blinds them to the fact that they're being indoctrinated into this militaristic way of thinking.
1: Basically going or being a part of the system Mm -hmm. or rebelling against the system mm-hmm. are two sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. and it still gives legitimacy to the system.
0: Yes. And that's
1: what it sounds like you're saying, is they would have them rebel against a certain system, at least. right? To then feel like they were in this other group of some kind. I don't know. Maybe Well, I'm
0: it's slightly different, but what you're mentioning is really important, too, which is to say that we... When when we were starting out the show and we were arguing against these ways of thinking in conservative evangelicalism, mm-hmm. we're also dignifying it, right? So if we spend mm-hmm. the rest of our podcast yeah. lives just talking about how, hey, the Southern Baptist Church has a bunch of sexual abusers and the Catholic Church has a bunch of sexual abusers right. and these gurus are sexual abusers right. and the, the Zen master is a sexual abuse. Okay, we get the point. Mm-hmm. So, like the things, like religion as an institutional structure with, with uh, unquestioned authorities is always dangerous. So, right, we got the point. Yeah. If we spend all our time just making a podcast about that, that's that's honoring it too much. It's right. it's highlighting that thing. So, so to that point, yes, that's also important. But. With respect to the Full Metal Jacket um, illustration from Zizek, Zizek, he says that the drill sergeant being vulgar and giving the illusion of freedom, um, that is what blinds people into getting vacuumed up into the system. And I saw this about a year and a half ago, two years ago, when I was contemplating my own role within uh, church-related higher education, I realized since at least 2003, 2005, I have been working in some ways to subvert the system as it was. With the assumption that it could be rebuilt in a better form. Right. But um, my freedom, the way that I had learned how to navigate freedom in a certain way, I had to do it with, with finesse. Mm-hmm. Didn't always do it with finesse. But I, I kind of knew how to kind of not like set off keyword hot button problems, you know, mm-hmm. Um And, um, and I was having fun and I was irreverent and I was yet sincere and I was spiritual and I was committed to the teachings of Jesus, but I wasn't putting up with the system that allowed people to say, I want to maybe do that. I, if Jeff's in this, maybe I can do this, right? Maybe there's a place for me. And that's kind of when we've been getting these, these letters, when we got letters over the years, um, part of me was saying, ah, I don't want people to say, ah, I can continue to be operating within these systems because Jeff and Stacy have found a way to do it. Right. Because first of all, it was frigging hard. Second We're of all, you had to do it in in a Southern California context. You couldn't do it in all parts of the country.
1: We're finding new people that wanted to join. <laughs> you know, yes, the system. either be pastors or just members of yeah. a certain, like, you know. Yeah, and I realized there, there
0: was like, d- 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 my appearance of freedom and not really letting people know and for pro- professional reasons. I can't just sit there and go, oh, my life is miserable because they're telling me how to think. And I'm a professor, so I'm supposed to think, but now I'm not allowed to think. Um, that's not professional. I'm not trying to bite the hand that feeds me, right. whether it's a denomination or the, the church body at spon- or the um, the university it sponsors. But, um, but I think that there comes a time for pastors and Christian college profs and then again if you're a ministry professional of any sort count yourself in this um there comes a time when being a part of the system implies complicity with the system it it honors some of the fundamental silliness and um th- there does come a time when you can't you can't continue and many of the systems involved in American evangelicalism Um, I think at least I've determined, I I think you're with me. uh, They just can't be fixed using the tools that they have at their disposal. That is, you can't really fix some of the problems. I would say one of the big problems, you can't fix one of the problems of of, uh, fundamentalist evangelicalism if you're not willing to let go of inerrancy. We mentioned that. Mm -hmm. But I think also um, if you're not willing to let go of this idea of a very vast population of hell. And that the only people to get out of that are people that have made a cognitive assent to the idea that, that God punished his son on our behalf. There's something fundamental about the nature of God. Now, does everyone think that? No, not every Christian believes in substitutionary atonement. The Eastern Orthodox Church does not. Um, a lot of progressive Christians do not. Feminist theologians do not. And even in Lutheranism, you have the, uh, the Finnish Lutherans that are really cool. Um, and you have, um, Gerhard Ferdi who is cool and, um, and even Stephen Paulson, who is a conservative Lutheran within that world. And he's, he's saying, no, you, th- this, this idea of substitutionary atonement makes God to be a person of bad character. Yeah. So like that, that's an interesting thing. But, um. So there's that, but I think also this idea of hierarchy, um, the, the gullibility being a virtue, these are things that, as we saw Emily Joy point out in her book, hashtag church Two, create a rape culture, whether you're trying to create a rape culture or not. I mean, there's various things there. You'll have to read the book to figure out that because it sounds to people uh, incendiary, but it, but I think we came to believe that it's true and it's not just about that. Um, But anyway, so, okay. So if you're the cool kid, uh, if you're the cool youth leader or cool pastor, and you're not uptight, you're like the good one. I get that, right? There's like There's something valuable to that. And maybe the value for us has been, and I know a lot of people expressed it, people did not want us to leave. Mm -hmm. People that were LGBTQ, um, students of color, students that were non-Christian, that Mm -hmm. kind of wanted us to stick around to be able to provide some kind of help within the system. And why were they in the system? Well, in the university context, it was because this was a private university that they could go to. Mm -hmm. Kind of like you go to a Catholic school.
1: Basically, there's usually portions of things that people just don't believe but then they don't really address them and they just ignore it it. and so I guess and then like they're supposed to believe certain things but it's like never like I don't know it never becomes okay for everybody to admit that a certain thing is just like hmm that one just does not work right and it's almost like if you're supposed to believe this stuff and like, I don't know, like, it's almost like a little bit more mind controlling if you can like tell, like, if you can get people to believe something that just, there's this, you know, dissonance in their brain of like how this is like possibly even true, mm-hmm. um, they can control you on a lot of other things. And and so whether, you know, whether it's even done on purpose or just, like, oh, you know, oh, hey, this works. I, I keep people here or something. I don't know. But yeah. I do think that having honest conversations about even your, if you are going to a church or whatever, your church doctrines and like, hey, like, and what does it mean? I guess if you're sticking around and you don't believe everything mm-hmm. that, you know, that's being taught or that you're supposed to believe, especially if mm-hmm. you're in Um, A a position of leadership somehow in that denomination or that group.
0: Yeah, I, I think one of the things that's really been interesting for us is that people have not tried to argue us back in and I get the sense from a lot of folks, even folks that are still sticking with it, they're not all that confident. Yeah. they're not all that confident in it. They just don't want to go down that route. They don't want to look in the mirror. They don't want to open the door. They don't want to read the book. They. It's like there are books that you can read um, from outside the tradition that will eviscerate your understanding of what the original early church was saying, yeah. or ch- really churches. Um, the absolute diversity of the early Christian communities, the possibility that they were um, using mind altering substances in some of the Gnostic uh, forms of Christianity in their communion. Uh, the idea that um, that the early church might have been very apocalyptic in the sense that they thought the world was gonna end very soon and they were wrong. Um, There's all these different things that will cause you severe anxiety if if you read them but people don't read them because they know that going down that route is going to have personal life implications and friends it's true okay like that's the thing i have continued anxiety over finances i have continued anxiety about having spent so much time building a career and speaking and doing things and then not being able to really do that anymore yeah. i knew that that was the, going to be the case but it's not a question you want to ask if you are live in on the edge anyway financially cuz college Christian college professors don't make a lot. Right. Only only people that make, you know, like in the same kind of world um like like significantly less doing similar work are, right. you know, private school <laughs> and then middle not, school teachers. And
1: then and then the other piece too, not having um Uh, health insurance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Like, right. Like, so not having the, um, the kind of the structure of a denomination and it's, and it's various care issues.
1: Retirement.
0: Well, this is a big issue too, because this is a big issue too, because one of the things I didn't realize up until recently was that uh, faculty who were called uh, in at uh, my old university Mm -hmm. were uh, not able to have uh, unemployment insurance because the, the church took care of them. Well, if you, turn your back on the church then you don't get that care. Right. So you're trapped in it, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, you're like you're the you're the smartest scientologist in the room, but like what is that going to be good for on your resume? <laughs> you yeah. know? Like it, there's a something in which you like you're like you're tied into this thing and you can't get out. A lot of my colleagues they they came up through a K through 12 system in the Lutheran world. They taught in you know, Lutheran high schools. They got a graduate degree and then started teaching in the universities. You can't go anywhere from that. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if it's hard, if I got parents that are skeptical about me when I've, you know, got ears pierced now and my long hair and I'm like a full fledged looking hippie and I'm, I'm doing my thing. But like the very fact that I had come from this long, uh, like history of being in the Christian college world makes me suspect. And the fact is I would be suspicious of me right? Like right. white dude from a Christian, like uni- university world. Like what is that? So, so, but what that means is it's very hard. Like I asked this question, should pastors, should pastors and, and, uh, and Christian college profs quit their job? Yeah, maybe, but that's not just quitting your job, like any old job that is like getting out of one world and being adrift. And so if you think back to, let's say Philip Melanchthon, the right-hand man of Martin Luther, he said, we should get rid of nunneries. They're not really helpful, hmm. but convents
1: yeah but But what are we gonna
0: do what are we gonna do with them you have to find monks and nuns a a way to exist right and you know the great thing for monks and nuns we don't you know need a lot i say we i mean you know we're kind of like secular monastics in the sense that we never really cared about making a ton of money we wanted to do what was important to us
1: well yes yes and what had meaning and right
0: but it's nice to like be able to not worry about paying the bills so point being whatever happens friends I beg you to consider finding ways, especially if you're like interested in what we're doing and, and you're feeling this yourself, but you have means, maybe find a way to scholarship folks that are pastors uh, to maybe getting some retooling and get into like some other kind of mental health profession where maybe they could be you know, doing therapy or something, just something in, in an adjacent field that they can still use their skills, but not um, have to stay in a church. Uh, that takes... That takes resources Mm -hmm. and it's really hard for people to retool. I wish there were more opportunities, more uh, trust funds, more foundations for that. But the reason there aren't is because (laughs) the rich, well, the rich typically want to keep the churches going because usually the church is in league with the capitalist system as it is, you know, or the political system. So there's not like a lot of reason for people to do it. Uh, So that said, um, I can say that even if I ended up kicked out of my house, and in a psychological like hospital, um, I still wouldn't trade it for anything um, because leaving a clearly bad scene for my soul before I die is the thing to do. There's, mm-hmm. just, there's yes. just no doubt. So I can say to you, friends, if you're thinking about it, it may be really rough, but I think it's worth it. The question then would be, of course, for you, when and how, like that sort of thing. But then there's this other piece that I, I think we've mentioned, but I want to make sure we state it again. We've been increasingly disappointed in in progressive church structures themselves, and the reason is they too have a strong incentive to preserve their own existence and a strong disincentive to actually risk getting at the root issues in our society when it comes to capitalism, war, whatever, because even when you have people in the in the group, in, in the congregation, that say that they're progressive, they still are going to secretly uh, often have more conservative values mm. um, than you expect. Mm-hmm. I've always found that the clergy in mainline denominations are very progressive, sometimes not really orthodox at all, Christian-wise. But the people in those congregations tend to be, you know, grandmas that have been at this congregation for a long time and, Mm. and, and they're not, they're not that worried that the pastor doesn't believe in hell, but they do. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like, there are these, there are these kind of things that that go on, you know, people that go to a United Methodist congregation that do not believe that uh, LGBT people have equal rights when it comes to marriage, but they're not that worried that the that the priest does or uh, the, the minister does, mm-hmm. right? In that case, Um, but I, I think I, I just got really disappointed with a lot of these progressive congregations because it just felt like the same thing, but they were very proud of themselves. I mean, you know, this is not everybody, and we're new to the scene in some ways.
1: It's very difficult uh, when money's involved, right? Yeah, um, it's just a fact that there's congregation members that. Uh, I don't know, you you know, that sometimes pastors are more willing to put up with. Sometimes they're, you know, I, mean, I don't know. Well,
0: they, you don't have a choice sometimes.
1: And it's who pays the bills, you know. And I think that that's a rough, rough spot uh, to be in as a pastor. I think that in some ways I, I that's... <laughs> So yeah, so that happens in like probably all churches though, really. Yeah. I mean it's not just progressive. That's, that's but, uh, no, no.
0: We're saying. I mean, I know for sure that it happens in the fundamentalist churches. I'm saying that, that, that it you can't just go the, to the other right. thing, because I remember there was a really cool dude that I just loved talking to, great theologically trained um, pastor in the Seattle area, and he was starting to talk about how he was, you know, pretty much against military service mm. in more of an Anabaptist way, and. He was in an area where there was a lot of Navy, and he lost his job basically.
1: Yeah, well, and that's, home, and that's like the it's thing. In a progressive congregation. I mean, that honestly is the case. And I think, kind of, to me, it really doesn't matter which side you are on if you if you're saying things that are upsetting to your congregation, you don't have a job. And so there's yeah. a, a weird way in which paying our pastors yeah. um, silences them. Uh, against sometimes what they might feel um, convicted about what is more truthful or something. So I, I just think that when those sorts of things start to come into play and I don't really, I mean, I know that you're going to go through a list of, you know, reasons why you, you know, might want to stay as um, a pastor, but if you are able to uh, be free with sharing where you're at and like what you, what you're what you think the truth is as best as you're trying to figure out if you're if you're there shepherding these people you know and you feel convicted about something you need to be able to share that and if you're in a context where you can't either because you'll stop being a pastor or kicked out or whatever your congregation congregation members aren't going to put up with it you've been compromised yes and i don't think that that's a good place for you to be in for your own mental health and spiritual health and well-being Mm -hmm. Uh, as well as um i i just think that um that cognitive dissonance i mean i guess that's what i mean that's that's the stuff that yeah again for your emotional and, and spiritual well-being because I think that that's super important to be able to maintain um, your integrity. Um, If you are the person talking about this, you know, you're the main person in charge of, so this whole congregation and their spiritual well-being, Mm -hmm. uh, you should be able to protect that and not necessarily unequivocally. Yes, exactly. But you
0: can't. So this is the, this is the ministry paradox. So let's, before we pivot to why you might stick around in what you're doing, the fundamental paradox that we should all be aware of within professional church work and, uh, and church related education is that it's not like a shaman or even in, in imam in some ways where, uh, in Sunni Islam, at least the imam is just somebody who's knowledgeable, Right, I'm not saying they have all the academic freedom in the world. I'm saying the the kind of the sense is we should make our spiritual teachers, or we should choose spiritual teachers that are independent and free. And we say that person has something interesting to say. Right? I mean, it's just like Jesus. Jesus is teaching in a boat in Galilee. He's not a uh, you know high ranking elite member of the Sanhedrin. He's not part of the, the ruling class. Right. He's not part of the aristocracy under the Herodians, you know, he has no official title.
1: Yes. And I, and I will say that when we require our pastors to go through, um, and get in debt through these seminaries and then, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I just think that the way that the, it, it can be helpful, like the fact that you have housing and things like that sometimes provided by the church, but there is a sense in which, um, you start to also develop a dependency on them and then lose more of your freedom because you, you know, everything is all caught up. Where you live, you know, how you get your bills paid, like no, it's, all of it. It's the and, worst. And so I would, I would think that um, developing a model where, uh, I don't know, everybody's sort of bringing something to the table yes and less of like one pastor yes or a few pastors or whatever that get paid
0: you can gather together and do these things Mm -hmm. but yeah you know having somebody i I think it's a bad idea it's a bad idea from the start because and this is the paradox again if you're a christian college professor your job is to help people find truth Mm -hmm. but there are bumpers on that
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody's going to have different bumpers, right?
0: Yeah, but 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 you you think you're going to go and to teach them truth, but you're not allowed to <laughs> if if it's not something that they if thought six hundred years ago.
1: Yeah. Well, or if it's not the or what the thing truth now? that the somebody else believes. Right. and Maybe sometimes your denomination or right. your
0: church, whatever. But what we need is. Christian philosophers and theologians to help us see where we might've gone wrong and allow them to do that work. Even if we disagree, likewise, why would we put our soul care into the hands of somebody who is constrained? Right. Right. Like I don't want a doctor who's basically subservient to big pharma. So why do I want to have a spiritual guide, AKA pastor who's subservient to five rich families in the congregation? Or the system that's supported by a network of or
1: his college yeah, debt or all that right or her college Ex- exactly. debt
0: exactly well yes so so that's so ultimately I think that we invite you to at least get an exit strategy if you're a clergy person or a, a church worker or a Christian college professor I am inviting you to to go on strike abandon like just get out of there so that we can. Not fix it, but just let it go to bed. It's, it's maybe served its purpose, maybe it's done a lot of damage, but that system, I think, is um, counterproductive intellectually and spiritually. And if I'm right, then the best, the best plan of action is to nonviolently just you know close the thing down. Um, that said, there are at least four contexts in which I think you might consider either going slow or maybe sticking around. In your, in your life. Right. And Stacy's a little more skeptical,
1: uh, but I'm,
0: I'm well, might open be, to hearing, might be, hearing. but I mean, I'm but I, and I think I understand that skepticism. I think what I'm interested in is saying, you know, Hey, it's easy for you dude to have made this decision, but you know, there's a lot of, there's us a lot of things that, that yeah. we can't really find a way out of this. And then I, I just want to say, I have compassion on that. I think you would certainly as well. Yeah. 100%. Um, and, um, And we're not trying to be arrogantly saying, oh, yeah, this is like really easy because it's not we've already said it's not easy. All right. So number one, the first context in which you might want to stay put as a church worker or Christian college pastor, uh, Christian college uh, professor is um, if you fulfill a social archetype that doesn't have a replacement. Um, what I mean is, if you're, let's say, a Christian college professor in um, in a town, uh, let's say it's not an American town, like, you know, I don't know if you're in Latvia or Lithuania or something, where there's something really powerful you'll bring into a, a world that has formerly been, you know... Marxist, Leninist, atheist, they don't have a lot of spiritual conversation and you can do this without being an indoctrinator. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. You know, um, I would say the same thing. I can imagine having a fine time teaching um, at a church sponsored space in in Japan where there's like very few Christians that go to that institution, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. but you're like, hey, I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's cool. Um, that kind of thing. But more importantly, and this is now I think more for, clergy. If you are in, let's say a small village, um, or in a rural society that does not have counseling options, doesn't have, um, somebody who's going to be able to be a wise counselor for marriage problems for, um, the sake of having rites of passage, um, that are very important. I think when we've left church, we found that we're missing some of those things that are really important. Where do we gather together as a community to celebrate new babies Mm -hmm. and the coming of age, you know, of 13 year olds or marriages and deaths, you know,
1: I would also put a little uh, caveat on um, that. Then that person would have hopefully been trained very well in how to do those kinds of services, because I think that so often even well meaning people that haven't been um, trained professionally, oh, yeah. uh,
0: biblical counseling is a disaster. They'll,
1: they'll end up making some mistakes that will really, can really, really hurt people and, yes. and not, and again, they will be well-meaning I'm sure. Um, but I, I just think it's really important to, cause there's, there's a, you know, there's a little, there can be sometimes uh, that tendency to take your spirituality and then put these like, rules on people and minimize mm. perhaps sometimes their, their trauma or their suffering. Like, oh, you just have to forgive or, yeah. you know, some of these other things where really no these things actually are, are need b- to be worked yeah. through. And so
0: I'm speaking to folks who have listened to our stuff on, on abuse and trauma informed care right. and, and even deconstruction and say, this is something that maybe I can be helpful with. hmm you know, I mean, mm-hmm. if you could be in that spot, but that your main job isn't to just always tell people that, you know, the religion that they're in is stupid, but more importantly, just to be that, that kind of person mm-hmm. in a time of need for people. Uh, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of old people that really could use a pastor. If you go around calling yourself a new age shaman, they're not going to have you come mm-hmm. over for dinner, but like you can help them. Mm-hmm you know, in really important ways. I think that's important. Um, so that, that may be a, a factor. I also think about when I was in England, there was this dude, whenever I would go to the Lamb and Flag, uh, there in Oxford, one of my, one of my go-to pubs, there was a dude that was also, uh, uh, always there. Uh, he seemed to be there like f- from opening to closing. I didn't know when he actually did his church work, but <laughs> he, he wore a collar and he was an Anglican priest. maybe he was no, no, no. I was there. I was talking to him the whole time. Oh. <laughs> he was. I would study and he would, you know, drink and you gotcha, know, nah, gotcha. nah, 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 no throwing stones here. I was drinking too. But the point is, um, I was just wondering, like, I had never seen a clergy person have that much free time. And I, I asked him, I said like, well, how, how many people are in your parish? And he said some number it was like in the thousands. Mm. I said, this is like a mega church pastor and he doesn't <laughs> even do any work. This is crazy. Shows you how uh, Like our contexts Were so different He probably had five um, you know re- Retired ladies That put in flowers In the morning And they said A beautiful um, You know Vespers Or morning prayer Or whatever And then But with the
1: The state religion Or whatever Then mm-hmm. he's in charge Of a whole town Or community
0: Yeah he wasn't in charge Of those few people He said no 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 We draw We draw a map Of the community And we say We're in charge Of these people We're in charge Of taking care of them If they have trauma We're in charge of helping them if they have a death in the family or if they need to get married. Like, we are servants in that way, kind of like, well, it's because the Church of England is sponsored by the, you know, the government.
1: That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, so they're like, they're serving like a social services kind of role. So that's cool.
1: Mary Berry. I
0: almost would say, like, if I moved to England and somebody gave me, like, a little stone, you know, house in the countryside and I could... um, just have like a five minute inspirational talk based on the texts of the week and um people like nobody really goes to church in england anymore um not that many people and if they're not going to make me believe something stupid or indoctrinate people that's a different context too altogether in england you know um not always there's man when i was there there was some real uh, wacky stuff going on in terms of um some of the kind of um, vineyard uh, Pentecostal stuff had been drifting out there, so there were there were a lot of kids studying at the at the school when I was there that were kind of like a bad version of evangelicalism, in that they hadn't passed through the fire of of multiple false starts in America. Like they were they were, it's kind of like. Um, they didn't have an immunity to this, to the wacky as much, Mm. you know, at first. So it's just a different context, but generally speaking, you know, you may find yourself in that role of like the, the elder within a community and no one's really going to fulfill that role and you're the best person to do it. That could be an important way of thinking.
1: Well, I would say, um, (laughs) I know I've mentioned this before, but when we went to that one church service, when we were oh, living this is in, in Oxford, England. yeah. Yeah, and
0: St. Giles where <laughs> I got baptized.
1: And then, basically, when uh, you know what, there was the whole sermon on the um, the magi. The magi, and then at the end, you know, it's like, of course, I don't believe any of this, and it's yeah. like. <laughs> I just don't understand that. How do you make your whole life and be dedicated, yes. like, your whole life to this thing? And then... Well,
0: like, he had gotten in... He got into it a long time earlier. I
1: know. And then you have to sit there and say you didn't believe yeah. it all. But, like, I, I I, guess I would say that, that if, it, if, well. if that's the level of how you feel, I would think that you yourself would suffer in that system if that's kind of how you have to approach it. And so it wouldn't be good for your own well-being. Yeah. Or, well, and
0: also I think people rightly resented it. remember uh, Betsy Little and I uh, took a group of college students out uh, one, one J term Mm -hmm. and we found we were kind of, it was like religion in Britain was our, was our topic. We dealt with the Druids and all that stuff too. But the thing was, we found that a lot of people deeply resented the church of England because they had, they basically took like resources from the country.
1: Oh, and
0: so when a dude says, I don't even believe this, it's just that, that kind of hypocrisy didn't sit well with folks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? By the way, friends, if you hear the dog, uh, we have now come to the conclusion, the dog hates it when we podcast. <laughs> I mean, it is just, Why are you not paying just attention a to nudge. Me? Okay. Number two, um, one, another context in which you might want to stick around is if you're not in a predominantly evangelical affluent white church, and, um, that doesn't mean that all of these other contexts are free from trouble. And in fact, I found that it's entirely possible. I, I remember I was at the American Academy of Religion of all places. And there was a, there was a woman doing a talk on kind of syncretism in, in South Africa. And this, uh, African dude said, you're not allowed to talk because in, in my religion, you know, like it's important that women don't have authority and don't teach. Well, people were not sure what to do because they had this one feminist value of egalitarian gender roles. On the other hand, there were a bunch of white academics that were uncomfortable telling uh, an African dude that his cultural values were were outmoded and silly. That sounds very colonial, yeah. you know, yeah. and ethnocentric, but like, eh... I have tended to say, uh, liberate 50% of the globe first, <laughs> and then we'll work on religious liberty in terms of what that means for you to be able to um, demote as human beings uh, half the population, let alone the LGBT world. But um, but that said, I remember um, on the Behind the Bastards, there were some folks talking about how... Um, The black community has been uh, dealing with Kanye West, Kanye West kind of joining up with some of the MAGA stuff, Mm. um, White Lives Matter shirt, and then horrific things that Kanye has been saying about, um, you know, anti-Semitic things. He seems to have been co-opted by the MAGA uh, folks. And, And a lot of people say, well, here's Kanye and he became a Christian. But what, what they were saying on uh, Behind the Bastards was they were talking about how, well, and, and I remember we, we've had other friends tell us this, that in many ways a lot of folks in black America are just default Christians and they're not going anywhere from that. In the same way that a lot of times white people get disaffected from the church and they have these like moments where they deconstruct and rethink it. It's, I'm, I'm following a lot of TikTokers that are also non-white so they're still, they're still tracking with it. But at the same time, it's a, it's a different phenomenon. And so I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to speak into that world because mm. it's not the world that we grew up in. Right. And I think it's really important for us to bail. But, you know, as I, I think we mentioned, I'm a huge fan of Cornell West. And I love when he brings Jesus into conversation with folks about politics on CNN. Right. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was kind of rocking theology. Um, drawing from Bonhoeffer and Jesus on nonviolent resistance. Like, that's really cool. There was something very powerful about that. Something very powerful about the spirituals using the biblical stories like Exodus and Moses to, um, to talk about liberation. Well, and even... Uh, as as I was in Latin America and so many different countries, um, you know we we get all worried in the in the American context about liberation theologians because well, we grew up in a world where Reagan was telling us it was okay to be unjust towards um, political leftists in these impoverished countries, and we were supporting really authoritarian jerks, you know? So, (laughs) you know, well, we, we were not, we were not, we're not big fans of the liberation theologians because we, you know, uh, we were opposed to anything that smacked of socialism. In any case that said, when I actually deal with, um, clergy on the ground in Guatemala, Honduras, Costa Rica, um, Mexico, when we've been in these places, um, I found that um, a lot of times they're they're on the ground. Liberation theology is really effective. They mm. see the Bible through the perspective of empowering um, people for justice, and they read the Bible in, with that lens. And they tend to find much more of a profit in it and, and, and resources that can draw from it. But my point being that when Kanye says he's a Christian what's really going on is that he's becoming an evangelical white type of Christian. This is what folks have said. In other words, he's, he's not doing anything new. He's just doing it in a way that is in league with white affluent, right. suburban capitalist which is, society, which
1: is a lot of what Cornell West is saying is yes. often problematic as the, the people that get lifted up in the black community, um, as the leaders, they for, get co-opted. Yes. Yeah, for the, yes. for the youth or whatever that, um, sort of, becoming white if you will means that's how you win and yeah. that's how you're on top yeah and then
0: you're gonna get platforms and you're gonna get sales and all of this and you know kanye's got his own mental health issues but um but there is something really troubling about this idea that um that we have two kinds of Christianity in America at least. Right. And, and I guess what I say is when I've been into um, historically and predominantly black churches in America, I'm finding that when they're talking, when I'm hearing these preaching, um, when I'm hearing the sermons, mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, like I almost get teary eyed. I'm like, I'm ready to go. and I'm like well, This is a different kind of thing. Whatever they're talking about and the Jesus they're talking about is just whatever they're talking about. is just a different kind of thing. So if you're the person in the pulpit and you're you're delivering a message of healing and liberation and it's not it's not the thing that we've been through and you're feeling good about it, of course, you know, stick with it. But I think I I think it's important to say that the flip side of this is evangelical America is not just sick. It's part of the problem for for a lot of what we're seeing now. Is everybody in that world a problem? No, but I think if you're in it, you probably also the can see the structure. structure, Yeah. It's it, like I said, with not only is it not redeemable, but the kind of some of the things that are being said and some of the things that are being tolerated and, and evil doers that are platformed case in point, those, those, those horrible, horrible people, um, at the uh, Babylon B that are supposedly doing like a Christian satire on the level of, uh, the onion. Um, they, they have been just, I haven't followed them lately because I've kind of blocked that out of my life. But the number of times that they just kind of rotate through um, kind of transphobic stuff, then then you know just anti-liberal stuff, anti you know political stuff, and they call it Christian. That kind of thing is, I think, so sick. That's why we've had to kind of excise it entirely. But again, if that's not your context, maybe uh, there's other other things going on. And maybe you're in an Ethiopian Orthodox church or a Russian church or, or something where this church experience is your community of recent immigrants into the, the, the world you're in and this is a really helpful place for you to get um acclimated. You can help refugees. There's all sorts of ways in which those kind of contexts at least should not be dispensed with quickly. You know, you you want to find a way to retool it. Maybe you make it something that's moving in more of a secular direction. If it's an aid organization or a, a nonprofit, you know, um, a community center, things that that could be sponsored by a religious community, but maybe aren't just doing work of indoctrination. Um, that's certainly a possibility. That's number two. Number three, I think this one for me is a much stronger case, and that is if you're a, a a woman, or an LGBT clergy person, uh, or professor—though those are LGBT professors in Christian colleges—not uh, that uh, common that they're going to be able to be open and out. But um, but I think if you're in that context, in and in you're in a church body, and you are demonstrating that you are there and that you have a place, and that there's a legitimacy for you being in that place, but more importantly, that you're able to be a resource for people, uh, that might be a really good context in which to stay. And I think specifically of places in America where there are no safe havens for LGBT youth. If you are an open and affirming congregation, or more importantly, if you're an open and affirming youth worker within that congregation and you can provide the only safe haven for LGBT youth in your, uh, rather conservative town, hostile town. I don't know if I want you to stop doing what you're doing, right. at least for the time being, because you've got the, the, the high ground. You can talk about the teachings of Jesus. You can talk about justice. You can talk about healing and, um, And I just know for a fact that there are a lot of parents that might call us or email us and they say, you know, the principal is hostile. The, the, the people at the, the, the diner are hostile to my child.
1: Right.
0: Where can they go to have any sense of safety? If it's in a denominational setting that is open and affirming of LGBT kids, if it's, if it's um, a place of refuge indeed, then I don't really want to see that go away now, maybe it's something that we could work long term to reconfigure and and replace I think I don't know if you were talking about it today, but that that idea of like the church doesn't have to have a paid pastor
1: oh yeah yeah, so um the hard part is is when you're getting paid for something you can really only be as ethical as whoever is paying you allows you to be. Uh, So as far as with what, you know, what you're able to preach or not preach or, um, you know, what you're allowed to even voice as your beliefs, like you might be silenced um, based on the beliefs of, whoever's paying the bills, whether it's your denomination, whether it's, you know, actual individuals within the congregation that usually do have um, a separate agenda. So you kind of have to appease them too. Yeah, uh, Maybe you do have to stay away from certain topics and stuff. I don't know. There's a certain point at which if you have to compromise your beliefs to stay in there for your paycheck, I really do think that um, your well-being... And um, just in general and definitely your spiritual well-being will be at risk. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that also, um, you know, maybe there are a lot of people that you're helping, but then also think of yeah. the example that you're providing that this is okay in this context yeah. as well to maybe then, you know, see yeah. whether this is the best place going forward. If you weren't there, you know, but they thought, oh, well, this church body or something is a good place to be uh because of your example that's also troublesome right
0: and and so if you are a queer clergy person and you're doing great work for the kids but your own emotional life is getting beat up by the denomination or homophobia within the ranks
1: whether you can keep going yeah you don't
0: have to be doing that you know you don't have to martyr yourself in that way but we're saying but, we're so not like we're not saying like
1: what I'm trying you to, should
0: have to go to church no no
1: what i am saying though is is that i think a, a model for churches in general would be better if it wasn't a paid position yes. and that people were bringing various things to that community to contribute and so you know then that way you are you know it's not somebody getting a paycheck for something or you know yeah. i don't know i mean i also think that you know there's also you run the risk of people possibly talking about uh, other toxic theologies or ideas. Cause they maybe haven't been trained as much if, as yeah. if various people are, are, um, you know, say giving a, a talk or something. But I think that um, that kind of sort of participation in an actual church to me, it's like, it kind of keeps you more on your toes because then you're going to think through your own uh, religious beliefs and what rings true, what doesn't. And that's true. And that, you know if if somebody says something that seems a little off perhaps then go do your yeah. homework <laughs> do some research case
0: and, in point case and, <laughs> in point at colorado christian university we had a lot of fundamentalist kids that came in and if you went into the business program you would stay kind of closed-minded and fundamentalist mm. if you gen- if you That's, generally yeah, got into sense. the theology or bible programs you might lose your faith you might switch to Eastern Orthodoxy, or, you know, yeah. but people, it's dangerous to study the Bible because when you read it, you start to see things yeah. you say, well, wait, what do we do with this? Yeah. So, you know, and I say dangerous in the sense of dangerous for the sake of maintaining if, wherever you were.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes.
0: And then, um, the fourth context in which I think, uh, and this is probably the most iffy is if the harm you'd cause your family and yourself at this time is far worse than the harm that's going to come from you staying And um, this is maybe one that makes more sense in terms of your timing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Some people have, again, taken out so much debt. They've been lured into a system. They have been trained within the parochial system. They've been through, you know, uh, church-related schools at the K through 12 level. They went to a Christian college, went to seminary, whatever they're doing. And then now they can't really get out, but they've got this debt, I understand. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's it's reasonable to say like uh, we feel for you. We were in that boat. It, it's hard. It's it's a long process to figure out how you're going to blast.
1: I would also say though, um if that, if that is the case and that's it, is the reason you're staying then c- coming up with some sort of e- Exit strategy would be oh, yeah. um, really good for yourself and yes. your own well-being as well. Yes. Because I think if if you don't actually have a plan, um, then one year turns into five years, turns into ten years. Yeah, yeah, we kind of
0: felt that. Yeah, and
1: then you just live in regret. Or well, you we know, were kind of thinking about really getting.
0: Figure. We were trying to figure a way out, but then you well, know, COVID the re- hit. and, yeah. you know.
1: And we also like, you know, I mean, we had different plans. We thought we were going to be living in a, in a truck camper, yeah. you know, but I'm, I'm glad we're not given the way that
0: yeah. now,
1: I mean, sort it's of a little
0: sketchy out there, Um, but you know, you, you might have kids that are just about to graduate high school. Yeah. Let them graduate high school. You yeah, know, it's, it's, it's not about your ego. It's not about that, but it is, it is, um, you know, Totally reasonable for you to take care of yourself in the
1: process. Also, maybe too, if that is your position, um, and the boat that you're in, have a conversation with your kids because (laughs) I would also say that perhaps you'll learn some things of what they would, would offer as advice to you. It's kind of like, um, you know how sometimes when you hear of, uh, like parents that say these, they stayed together for the the kids and then the kids were like, please, please like, yeah, that
0: wasn't helpful. Stop
1: torturing each other, you know, like, so all I'm trying to say is, is, um,
0: don't assume. (laughs) Yeah. Don't assume (laughs) that
1: that's what your kids want as well as, um, just that open conversation. So they, they know where you're at and talk through and maybe they'll bring up points that you never thought about. And, um, anyway, all of that together it's just it's just important i would say to have open dialogue with your family and where where you're all at
0: yeah so if you're going to stay in here's some things to consider first stay vigilant every day to be a change agent instead of getting co-opted. Don't allow yourself to start to get into that Stockholm syndrome. I kind of felt that this happened to me at Concordia because I was at a relatively progressive school. Then I found myself at Concordia. I thought these cats don't really believe that all the animals were on one boat. Oopsie daisy. Yes, they do. And I just... I had never seen that before. I had been at other institutions where they have kind of a, uh, a consti- constituency that's kind of fundamentalist, but the faculty are, are not. Yeah. Um, I was kind of surprised. I was kind of surprised that the, the Lutherans, they kind of have, a uh, professors that are more conservative sometimes than the people in the congregations. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, not always, but sometimes, but stay vigilant every day because if you're not, Actually acting to change the system from within, and you're just existing within it, then that's that's gonna be bad for you and for others. Uh, second, create a space that is radically free in your community. Maybe it's um, an open. Bible study where you're just reading something and discussing it, but you're not indoctrinating, but you're just allowing a space for people to learn the history where you spend most of your time talking about the context and history of the biblical texts or church history, but you're not indoctrinating. I think that's really important. And then third, um, I would say, and I'm begging you sabotage with a clean conscience, sabotage. That is if if you're in a position and you're fortunate enough to be in a system uh, that is sick, okay, that sounds weird. If you're fortunate fortunate enough to be in a position where you are in the Death Star and you can unplug the Death Star, please unplug the Death Star. Like I would say this to you, hey, uh, Pope Francis, if you're listening before you retire, why don't you just unplug some things? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Let the priests get married. <laughs> <laughs> Let yeah. divorced people get communion if that's important to them. You know, um, set the set the the LGBT folks in your world free. You know, like why wouldn't why wouldn't he do that? Because everyone go crazy. Well, what else are you gonna do with this one life you got, Pope? <laughs> Enjoy it. I know you. That Pope doesn't believe in hell. Come on, pal. Do something about it. You know. I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like we sometimes think, well, that's bad, is it? Well, if you were. A professor in a Nazified, I'm not saying that everybody's Nazi here, but I'm saying, if you are a person that was fortunate enough to be in the position to uh, dismantle something that Hitler was doing within a university or a church or whatever, you might want to stay in because like in those days, Hitler was putting the Nazis into the church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So maybe you want to you hold that back, you know? Um, but in the meantime, don't just take the paycheck. Sabotage. Sabotage. I used to think that it was wrong. I used to think it would be really wrong to take a paycheck from a church-related school, you know, and not, like, undermine some of the things they were saying. And now I think I wish I did more of it.
1: Or there's the parable of when – this is reminding me of when there's the parable of – there's that – the dude who's in charge of uh, dishing out the master's money. Yes, and, He's he, right. and he just goes and yeah. like hands it out to everybody. That's before, a good piece of advice friends. before he was going to to end. <laughs> yes, and his uh, employment underneath the master.
0: Friends, do that. Like find like, <laughs> like like get your networks kind of squared away before you make your move, and then um, fourth and finally. Um, consider working to com- commandeer stray assets. And and what I mean by this is there's a lot of dying um, church camps and church buildings, and people are trying to figure out what to do with it. If you're in a position where you can help a group of folks who see that there's no young people coming into the church, right? And you're not even, you're kind of bored. You're all kind of bored of it. Instead of giving it back to this denomination, that's, that's going to just com- continue to perpetuate weirdness with fewer and fewer people, but more and more condensed assets. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, why don't you try to commandeer those stray assets? If you are part of a Christian university, help it to break away from the church body. Right. I'm I'm excited for like Concordia, Texas, like get away from the church body. Go back.
1: Oh, oh, that or yeah, get away from the church body. Or if it's to the point of, trying to close things down perhaps giving it back to the community yes
0: don't just give it back to the denomination give it to the community do something really cool with it um and stick around long enough to do that do you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying like why why not take your like if you're on the board of directors at a christian camp why not figure out a way to do something that's good for the environment good for the community make it a community center give access to people who have special needs. I don't know. Do something altruistic with that space instead of just, you know, turning it into more, um, salaries of a dying denomination anyway. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm not sure, you know, if that's helpful to folks, but I did want to make sure we talked to folks that were in that category because we had so many emails and it was hard to kind of address each one individually, um, about like what we thought about Mm -hmm. that. But in all these cases, it's all tricky.
1: Yeah, it is tricky, but I will say this. Um, two things come to my mind. One is that the truth is simple. Yeah. And it's clear. Yeah. But it could be the very hardest thing (laughs) that you ever had to do if you were trying to pursue it. Um, and what that, and what that would lead to. So it, you know, it's, it's simple in that there's a, it's clear on what you should maybe be doing or whatever, but it's just going to be the hardest thing to try to figure out. Um, that, you know, that piece of how to do it or whatever, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I would also say to the, um, I don't know, so many years ago, uh, the advice that Augie gave with the little shoulder dancers, mm-hmm. right? I was like, Dad, you know what to do. You just need the courage to do it. Yeah, And so, I, you know, whatever that might be, wherever, you know, whatever that whatever it is that, you know, deep down you need to do, I mean, whether it's staying, whether it's going or whatever. Um, but I do hope that you can summon that courage, um, you know, to continue to be that light and however that needs to shine, whatever that is, right. Yep. Um, and whatever, you know, you feel that you can with integrity, um, you know, a space that you can be at. And, and with that, that's where you can find that deep peace upon peace. and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends.
0: But he said that wasn't any letter. He said that was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? That's because you found this letter no too much.